Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. That just stirs me up. I don't know about you. That just gets me riled up. It fills me with vision. It fills me with passion. It's the kind of thing that makes me want to run through a troop and leap over a wall. It makes me feel like I can do anything. And that's the power of vision. That was a vision cast that Dr. King was sharing with us. There's something about vision that gives us strength, that gives us uh, the ability to say, it doesn't matter what's in our way, we're going to be able to do something about this. We all need vision. You need vision. I need vision. We need to be around vision-filled people. Vision cuts through all the noise and says, this is what's next. This is what you should do now. God's people have always needed vision. This church needs vision. This nation needs vision. This world needs vision. There's something that we need to hold so valuable about vision, about clarity, about saying, no, it's this exact thing that needs to happen next. This is what God wants to do. Focus all of your energies on this thing because this is where we need to go. God had a vision for the Israelites Okay, let me me orient us to where we are in kingdom history. It was always God's plan that he would pick a peculiar people, first and foremost, the Israelites. Okay, these were the sons and daughters of Abraham. And out of this strange, different kind of a people, he was going to bring the Messiah. He was going to teach them all God's ways. And out of them, he would bring the Savior of the world who was going to ultimately die on the cross and pay the penalty for all sins that anyone who would come to him could know the forgiveness and joy and the kingdom breaking forth in their inner man or inner woman, and ultimately they would be able to have an impact on the world around them and then go to heaven. But we're going way back in time, and we're going just to the moment where God is starting with this people of Israel, okay? He's delivered them out of 400 years of slavery. He's led them into the wilderness, and now they've been wandering around for 40 years, okay? So let's just understand who these people are. They're a nomadic people. They've only, even their parents have only ever known slavery. Now most of their parents have died off. They're standing on the edge of the promised land, and Moses is about to lead them in, and he wants to remind them of a lot of things, of like, hey, here's what you need to do. You need to make sure you obey, but here's the vision. Here's some things that God wants to do for you nomadic people that have never known anything that has been yours. You've never had a corner store. You didn't have any Amazon. You didn't have anything that was for you. Here's what he tells them. He says, Deuteronomy 8.2, so keep the commands of the Lord your God. Here's some vision. By walking in his ways and fearing him, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land a land with streams of water, springs, and deep water sources flowing in both valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and figs and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without shortage, where you will lack nothing, a land whose rocks are iron and from whose hills you will mine copper. You will eat and and when you eat and are full, you will praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Vision is direction. Vision is, here's what's next. Here's what I want you to go for. Vision is what could be true and what should be true. And God says, before anything else, I need you to know the vision. This is where I'm taking you, Israel, because there's gonna be some hard things and you're gonna need to hold on to this. There are challenges up ahead for you that are part of God's vision. There are things that God wants to bring you into. There are things that are later on, that are after this, that are next And God wants, for each one of his children, he wants to crystallize. I want you to go after a certain set of things. And many of them are detailed in the Bible, but many of them are very particular 
to you. Now, a lot of stuff God is gonna take care of himself as we just kind of like stay in Jesus. He's gonna take us the right way, but he always wants us to be seeking, Lord, help me know your vision. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the rest of these things will be added unto you, but we gotta seek it first. God, how do you want to express your kingdom through me? I'm asking for it. One of the worst places we can ever be is in a rut. How many have ever been in a rut before? You've been in a rut, you're like, oh gosh, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm just so bored, and I'm so dead. And you know, it's, it's kind of when we're in a rut, and when we're bored, we usually find all kinds of evil to fill that, that rut up a little bit. We're like, oh, that, well, at least this is something. At least this is a little bit exciting. And often we're missing the vision of God. It's so important that we just become a people that are stirred up about, hey, what's next, God? As far as you'll tell me, I want to do the next thing that you have on the agenda for me. Next weekend, we're going to be talking a lot about the vision for this church. We've been kind of floating around in in COVID land for a long time. It's been hard to know, what do we do? Like, what, what even can we do two weeks from now, much less what will we do for the next little while? Well, we feel like we know enough about the next few months. We still don't know much, but we know enough that I want to talk to you next week. I want to bring a lot of clarity to what we're going to do over the next few months. I'm going to need your help with it. So I want to encourage you to make sure that you are here and that you don't miss that thing. But we need vision. We need it through the Holy Spirit. We need it from others. We need to be around vision-filled people. Not everybody has like necessarily gifts of vision, which is why we need to do everything we can just to get around things that inspire us things that just make us dream a little bit harder, things that make us say, I wonder if God could do this, that, or the other thing. That's why, that's why it's so important. One of the reasons it's so important to be in God's word. God's word tells you a lot about who God is and what he can do, and it, it triggers our imagination. Well, well, gosh, God did it then. I wonder if he could do it now. We need to become people of vision, and it's so important for us to remember in this tense time as a nation that God has a vision for this nation. He really does. He's got a vision for really every nation on earth. God has vision. But we need to remember in in moments of turmoil, when it feels like sometimes even the very country is being torn apart, let's go back to vision. Let's go back to the vision statement. Let me read you this. You've heard this before. You've studied it. You've read about it. But this is, many believe, the vision statement for our country. Written by Thomas Jefferson, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's vision right there, vision. Here's here's what we want, a nation where people can just do that, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That's part of the vision. That had never been done in the history of the planet before that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The authority comes not from a title, not from one monarchy or or one line of family. It comes from the people, whoever that is, the people. That's where the authority comes from. That was the vision for this country. And it's so important that we keep in mind, hey, here's what we're supposed to aim at. Here's what's supposed to be coming. If we're going to partner in prayer about anything, let's partner back with the original vision. So vision tells us what's next. But remembering is equally important because remembering gives us strength for right now. Remembering says awesome, powerful, good things happened in the past. They can happen again. Things can happen right. I need to look back to what happened because God didn't didn't just start his journey with humans when you and I were born. He'd already been doing a bunch of stuff. And so we need to remember not only the power of vision, but the power of remembering. Listen to how Jesus 
kind of got on his disciples. He doesn't always get on them, but occasionally you can tell that Jesus gets a little bit annoyed and frustrated. I'm, I'm so glad that Jesus is not the only one that gets annoyed with Jesus' disciples. You ever get annoyed with Jesus' disciples? Yeah, well, be encouraged that Jesus did too from time to time. And they're going on a day trip. They're going across the lake and, and the disciples begin to realize we've lost, we, we didn't bring any bread. Oh man, Jesus, man, he's gonna have a heart attack when he finds out that we didn't bring any bread. And so they're talking about, amongst themselves about it. Check it out, Matthew 16, verse eight. But Jesus, aware of this, said, you men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you not understand or remember? Somebody say Remember. Or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets full you picked up? And he says, don't you remember the miracle that I did when I took like scraps and made all kinds of bread for everybody? Or the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets full you picked up? He says, guys, ah, oh, do you not understand that I'm more than capable? If you forget the bread, I can just make bread. Why are you worried about this? Why do you have anxiety about something? Now check it out, that you've already seen me solve You've already seen me solve these things. Why do you have so much anxiety about this? See, sometimes the solution for the present is actually in the past. Those who are familiar with what God has done will have a lot of boldness about what God can do. The key to the present is in the past. Often the correct response to the current problem is to look back in the past and say, oh yeah, God has already done this kind of thing before. This is not new. This is, a not new, this is not a new situation for him. God wants us to understand that there's really nothing coming that he hasn't already on some level helped out in the future. That's why it's so important for us to go back to God's word. Because, see, God's word makes you bold. When you really let it in you, it, it gets you brave. It shows you, hey, listen, God has solved mega, mega problems, bigger than any problems you have ever had, and so he's well able to do it. I think this is why it's, it makes us so weak when we don't know what has come before us, when we don't know what happened in world history, when we don't know even just what happened in the Bible. We start with weakness because we, can't, we don't have that strength to draw from. And I'm not trying to diss anybody, I'm not trying to discourage anybody, but I really believe it's such a shame. I believe so many problems that we have today, even just socially, are because people don't know history. They don't know what happened before. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but I believe it makes us weak because it wasn't passed on to us and then we don't pass it on to others. And so they don't know, most people, they know myths or they know pieces of history, but then they have weird conclusions and that's not actually how it went and they're missing the strength. Are you, are you telling the stories of how God has powerfully impacted your past and powerfully impacted your life. Sometimes my wife and I will get to talking just about how redonkulously blessed we have been as we grew up when we didn't even know we were blessed of how God was just arranging things in our lives, keeping us safe from certain things, keeping certain vices out of our life. I'll talk to my mom sometimes and we'll talk about, hey, um, it's amazing our ancestors and the ones that even though they may not have known God to the degree that we know him now, they knew him to the degree they knew him and they were faithful with that and God has blessed 
every generation after them to the thousandth generation. Like before you ever showed up, before you knew there were any issues, God was already blessing your line, knowing that it would lead to you. And we need to pass on those stories. We need to remind those coming after us, dude, it didn't just start with you. God has had a vision. Somebody say vision. God has had a plan this whole time and you're just a part of it. Are we passing on that baton? I love to tell my kids, the stories, we're, we're trying to get them to understand, hey, because in your probably, you know, by the time you get into your mid-20s, you're going to have some trials that mom and dad aren't necessarily right there for. And I want you to know the trials that mom and I went through. I want you to know just how hard, when we didn't have any money, when dad was sick for four and a half years, I need you to know that God was the God he said he would be during that time. He got us what we needed. He got us through, and he will get you through it. Even though it was really hard, whatever's coming against you, you can remember, oh no, God helped mom and dad out. Mom helped, or God helped grandma and grandpa out. God will be faithful to me in this generation as well. So here's my question. Here's, we're gonna go into the, the living chat here. Identify a time in your life that you thought everything was gonna go down the drain, but God delivered you or worked it in your favor. Take a few minutes, we're gonna take a minute and a half or so, and just talk to the ones among you or yell it across the room to somebody, but tell them a place, man, you thought everything was going down the drain, but then God showed up because we need to get these fresh in our minds, so we pass them on. Let's do it, real quick. All right, you got something good in the last 15 seconds? Tell them who you're gonna pass it on to. Who are you gonna tell? You gotta tell somebody. You got to tell somebody who's coming after you. Who are you going to tell the good things that God did? Right, here we go. Let's, let's get back in. When we face intimidating times, what do we do? Here's number one. Remember that the Lord has overcome your enemies. Remember that the Lord has overcome your enemies. God says, look at what I've already done to get, gain strength about what I can do. Going back to chapter 7, Deuteronomy, it says, now if you say to yourself, these nations that these people have to go, they have to go into battle, they have to go fight these enemy nations. These nations are greater than I. How can I drive them out? Do not be afraid of them. Be sure to remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and all Egypt and the great trials that you saw, the signs and wonders, the strong hand and outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord will do the same to all the peoples you fear. God says, do you not remember, Israelites, how I busted you out of bondage after 400 years? Do you not remember how I parted the Red Sea for you? Did your parents not tell you all the redonkulously awesome plagues that I brought about just because I loved you and wanted to deliver you? Do you not remember that? What about us? Do we not, do we not think about, do we not remember? Jesus is like, dude, I delivered you of sin. I delivered you of uh, darkness's dominion and everything demonic. I did all of this before you even were alive, before you even knew there were such a thing as problems. I did all of this before you were even paying attention. Do you think this is too hard for me? If I could beat those enemies, do you think I'm intimidated by your current enemies? God says, no. Think, think about this. There are problems that if you go back a number of years, you used to have that are nowhere to be found now. And the truth is, is because your good God in heaven just delivered you of them. You kept walking, and now you're out of those things. Now they're old news. And God says, hey, man, as you face this current Goliath, as you face the current challenge, do you think this is harder for me than those other ones? Of course not. Is anything too hard for the Lord? He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He'll be just fine. Is this helpful to us at all as a nation? I think it is. Now listen, um, because I know that the Lord didn't make a covenant 
with the United States the same way that he did with the nation of Israel. That was a unique part of the timeline of redempted of redemptive history, but even so, it is God himself who chooses and raises up nations. We can find that in Daniel 2.21. It says, he controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to scholars. My friends, it's clear that God has always had a very unique plan for this particular country. I think he has a unique plan for every country, but there's a, an especially unique plan he had for this country, okay? Against all odds, kind of like the Israelites, our forefathers beat the strongest military power on the planet, and they needed God's help to do it, and he did help them do it. And on the world stage then was formed a new kind of three-branch Republican government that the world had never seen before and caused the freest people ever to be on the planet. That was God. They couldn't have done that without them. And all the people, most of the people who were members of that founding party knew this was God's help. God was the one who helped them do that. Let's fast forward in history. Let's go to World War II. Okay, you've got this horrific machine of the Nazis that are taking over the world. And then God is using lots of people, but he sends in the United States and we bring victory into Europe and we bring victory into Japan. And God rescues millions and millions of people. He even rescues Great Britain through us, which is always ironic to me. I wish I could go back in time and tell King George III in 1776, just so you know, you're going to want these people go because in a little while, they're going to save everybody. It's going to be really important that you do this, King George. But it was really, who was it? It was God that did it. God had his purposes, and he was faithful in that darker time than now to rescue and he did. Somebody say he did. Yes. Or consider the civil rights movement, okay? Um, consider all of the persecution and pain that was going on among African Americans. Totally illegit, totally not live, the, the laws invented did not live up, did not point to the awesome virtue described in the vision statement of the Declaration of Independence, but because we had heroes like Dr. King, because we had people that just took it to the streets and said, no, we're gonna march until this is, we're done with this now, we're going to move on, even though it doesn't fulfill the vision of the Declaration of Independence, it will, we're gonna push it forward until it does. And they saw victory, and it was slow, but they saw it, and today we see Quite honestly, my friends, it's a, it's a dark time for sure. I mean, there's, there's doctrines of demons that are bleeding into the very thought life of everybody, all right? There's stuff like Marxism. There's the jettison of law and order itself. And yet, there's a God in heaven who still has a vision for this place. He hasn't get, he's, not, he's not less strong than he used to be. He doesn't care less about the people than he used to. And he's well able if, what did those people do in those three previous times? The people of God got on their knees and prayed and they believed that God was above and in control of all the hell going on on earth. And they prayed and they acted and God moved. And he can do the very same thing today. I'll preach it to myself if y'all don't like it, all right? I don't care if it's popular. It's, it's what's happened and what is going to happen. Somebody say Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Because those familiar with what God has done will have boldness about what God can do. Here's number two. Remember that the Lord brings about the vision slowly. Remember that the Lord brings about the vision 
slowly. Hey, are you intimidated about what's going on in our world right now? Remember that the Lord brings about the vision slowly. Even though he's stirred up, even though the vision is so important, it seems like with God, things sometimes go a little bit slow, and that's why it can be super frustrating. Like, God, I'm ready. Let's go. And then we push as hard as we can, but it still seems like it takes forever for things to happen. Deuteronomy 7.22, listen to how God describes the Israelites entering into the promised land. He says, the Lord your God will drive out these nations before you little by little. You will not be able to destroy them all at once. Otherwise, the wild animals will become too numerous for you. Now listen, we should never defend lack of progress just by saying, well, I guess, you know, it just wasn't God's time. No, we need to push with everything we have. But once we're pushing with everything we have, we need to also remember patience. God is a God that for some reason takes a long time with certain things. It's not the way that we would choose, but the pattern we see in the Bible is, wow, that took a really long time. So check it out. From the time of Moses, when Moses is preaching this, to the time when David becomes not only king, but he essentially takes out the rest of their surrounding enemies. That was 370 years. God is giving the vision here, but it's going to be 370 years before the thing is actually really done. Well, we haven't even been a nation that long. What am I saying? I'm saying that, hey man, listen, we need to be stirred up, visionary, pushing as harder than anybody else. But if we need to wait to be happy until everything is done, dear heart, that's not going to happen before you and I are in the grave. Everything's not going to be done. God apportions stuff for each generation to do. He says, this is your part. This is how I want you to push forward justice. But if you're going to be angry and upset, if there's anything left to possibly improve, you're going to have a very unhappy life and you're going to get people around you very unhappy as well. Listen, when the Continental Congress released the Declaration of Independence. Everybody knew that this thing is not true, right? It wasn't even just that they were declaring, we want this to be true with regard to Great Britain. Everybody knew there was a tension in the room. Everyone knew, I don't know, man, how how can we say this? How can we say all men are created equal? And yet we know we're keeping many men and women and children in bondage. How is this How can we possibly say this? And it was a tension that everybody felt and everybody knew about it. And many of them, they just agreed, we're just not going to talk about it for a little while because if we don't come together, we're not never going to be able to beat them. And so we're going to kick this conversation down the field a little bit. And I wish that they wouldn't have. But my point is, everybody knew it was a dream that could be coming true, but wasn't presently true. And there's still pieces of it. That is a dream that we always need to find ways to make it keep coming true with God's help. But it's not entirely true. It took a long time. And then there was a fatal blow dealt in 1863 when Abraham Lincoln released the Emancipation Proclamation. And it was a big deal, but then it was another 100 years before that really became true, true, true in a more significant and substantial way during the civil rights movement. We need to push as hard as we can. I don't know why God took that long to do it. And I'm not blaming God. I know, you know, just like with the Israelites, humans do stupid things that slow everything down, that impede progress. They absolutely do. And I'm quite sure that has happened since July 4th, 1776. All my point is, is to say, I think God wants happy Christians. Okay? 
Like, I think he wants them optimistic. I think he wants them to play their role. I don't think he wants them always angry and ready to rant that there's one place on this fallen, sinful planet where sin remains. I think he wants them to understand, I want you to work for justice, but I also want you to find joy in your Lord and not just be angry all the time. I want you to have patience. He said, you'll not be able to destroy them all at once. Otherwise, the wild animals become too numerous for you. I really believe our wild animals sometimes, on a personal level, there's things you're not ready for yet, and I'm not ready for yet. There's things like, like there's, there's challenges you're not ready to take. There's things, there's opportunities that you missed. There's sin that is still there that is not removed yet. And God says, patience, it's going to take a little while. When I take the land, it takes a little bit of time. And sometimes we're just not ready. I don't know how many are, are video game players or maybe once upon a time you were a video game player. But in some kinds of games, when you play like the first four levels, you're just getting all the things you need to go beat the last baddies in the next four levels. Like you're not even really enough yet to do what you would have to do to make it all the way through the game. And sometimes what we're going to be able to do later, we need to be equipping ourselves for. Now, we're only in the first four levels. When I think about some of the things that I used to want to do, like, I, like, Lord, I can't wait till we do this. Well, honestly, if God would have let me have some of that influence early on, guys, I would have jacked so many things up. I just wasn't ready. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't, I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't, I, I wasn't um, you know, nice enough. <laughs> like, I was, like, there's just so much wrong with me. But I was like, oh, God, I'm believing for this thing. He's like, boy, promise you, you do not want me to release you into that yet. You will jack it up and hurt so many other people. Sit still while you wait on me to bring about certain things in your life. Is this speaking to anybody today? I don't know. My point is who we're becoming is more important than how fast we can get there with God. Who we're becoming is more important than how fast we can get there. And sometimes God is trying to focus us on the people around us, not where we're trying to get as much. I can remember 11 years ago when we started the church we had nothing, dude. I mean, we had nothing. We would look at even like, okay, so something that's happened recently during COVID season, we got these brand new cameras that help us make a much better digital experience and, and save a, like hours and hours of time as we use these things. If you would have shown me those cameras alone back in 2009, I would have been like, oh my gosh, those are so good. There's just so everything. Give those to me. But you know what? Now, I mean, I think it's cool, but I don't care. I don't really value it that much other than for what it can do because over the past 11 years, you know what I've really grown to value by the grace of God? The people. It's all the people, man. It's all the people we've been with. It's all you who've been walking together. It's all the ways that I've fallen in love with different ones. Because that was always the point. It wasn't about the goal. It wasn't about the thing. It was about the relationships coming together. Can anybody say amen? And often we're like, God, oh, why don't you get me the thing? And he's like, why don't you just lock arms with some people and really love them hard and see if they're not way more valuable to you by the end of the walk than whatever you think is at the end of that walk. I'm, I mean, I'll, I'll be real honest with you too. When we went through the merger, almost you know, four and a half years ago now. There were so many things about that. Oh gosh, this is so painful. This is so hard. I can't wait to get through this. But now as I look around, 
Some of those very people are so meaningful to Kenzie and I. You guys are such great friends. There's so many people that I'm so in love with, and it, it's not about getting through it. It's about who you're getting, it, getting through it with. And I just want to suggest to you the possibility that some of the things that you want, and then you're like, I can't wait to, till I get there. Hey, man, get there. You're like, let's do it. Let's be patient. Let's go hard after it. But don't miss the people, because the people are the most valuable thing you will ever have or ever know. It is the people on your way to whatever that vision is. Is this good preaching or not? I don't know. Do I still have it? Did I lose it during COVID maybe? I hope not. Here's the last one. Remember that God has been trying to teach you that your blessings are not from you. When you are intimidated, when it seems hard going, remember that God has been trying to teach you that your blessings are not from you. We can all get tempted anytime anything of significance, anytime any victory, anytime we achieve any one of those things, anytime we make a little headway and be like, my blessing is because of my awesomeosity and my good looks and the way that um, you know, I've just maneuvered certain things to happen in my life. And God says, no, just like he said it to the Israelites, no, that's really not it at all. In fact, some of the reasons it's been so hard is because I've had to spend a lot of time humbling you, but Deuteronomy 8, 2. Remember that the, the Lord your God led you, somebody say led you, led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness. God is leading you, even when you don't feel it, even when you don't think so. God is leading you. God is leading your family. God is leading your nation, even when you don't feel like it. You say, Lord, you say Carter, I don't know how God can be leading me through the yahoos in this nation. Well, here's some good news for you. God is way too smart to be dependent on the dumbness of humans. Okay, I'll say it again. God is way too smart to leave himself dependent on the dumbness of humans. He will use human smartness or dumbness, but both are so dumb compared to his smartness that he doesn't really need either one. He promises, hey man, I'm still gonna lead you. I'm still gonna guide you. I've still got purposes. You can't jack up God. How many know you can't jack up God? Are you aware of that? Like, come on, dude. You got a small God if you can mess him up. You cannot. So that he might, here we go back in verse two, so that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. He says, I'm gonna let you see some amazing things, but I'm also going to do it in such a way where there's certain amounts of this that is hard because I need to humble you so that you can have my grace. Again, why? Because God is more concerned about who we're becoming than how fast we're getting to the thing. And so he allows us to be humbled because that's how you keep the grace. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your fathers had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but by every word of the mouth of, from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out, and your feet did not swell these 40 years. See, God knows when you have too much too quickly and you start to take credit for it, you immediately begin to forget the God who's been good to you. And he's been trying to teach you, no, 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 I'm pleased to bless you, but you've got to recognize the source. Somebody say source. That source is the Lord. And sometimes we have to, that's good to know when you're not in it. It's hard to know when you're in it, okay? So this is why it's really important to say when you're in the test, when you're in that humbling thing, to say, I am going to believe that this humbling, that this hurt, that this hardship 
is going to become not just a test, but a testimony. I'm going to someday talk about how good God was to me, even in the midst of this difficult thing. So just a year, I think, maybe a year and a half after Kenzie and I first got married, back in 1999, we went through a horrific church split, and we're sitting there in the rubble. We're sitting in, in my little ramshackle living room, and there's just a few of us kind of like stunned. We're just sitting like, what just happened? Like this whole church just fell apart. That was crazy. And this sweet woman who wasn't really even a part of the group just showed up at the house one day, and she was just with us. I don't even know why. And she just said to me, you need to believe right now that nothing is wasted. Jesus doesn't waste anything. If he's allowing you to go through this, there is a reason. This is going to pay off someday. And you know, when you're in that moment, dude, when your heart is ripped in half, that's a hard thing. Even when you believe it, it's hard to believe it. But by the grace of God, we had to decide, I will not let this just be a crater in my life. I will believe that someday, somebody say someday, someday, I'm going to look back and say, God was being good to me there. God was rending something from my hands that was either a little too jacked up for me to hold on to, or there was something jacked up in me that he didn't want. This was not the right way. And in his loving mercy, he carried me as his child. Now here's verse five. And this is it. Keep in mind that the Lord your God has been disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Not maybe the way you were disciplined by your parents, but God disciplines his kids in a loving way. You, you may know this. I've shared this with you before. When my kids get disciplined, okay, when they'd get spankings when they were little, it'd be very private. It'd be very alone. They'd get their spanking. We kind of get it over with quick, and then we just hold, and we just hug. Just hug and just pray. I don't know that God disciplines us exactly like that, but I've felt his holding me in the past as he's disciplined me. And I want to encourage you, if, if you've been through some of the humbling recently, you're going through some of this intimidation of our times and you're getting jarred and you're getting hardship, you need to hold on right now and say, in the future, this is all going to make sense, but right now, he's disciplining me the way the best man in the world, Jesus, would discipline his own child. He's holding me close because I'm everything to him. And he's trying to get me into the right promised land. Can somebody say amen? amen. Let's bow our heads. Well, Lord, we are thankful that you are that God that would even be willing to humble us, to teach us that you alone are our source. We lift up these difficult insanely scary times. And Lord, we just want to declare over them, we believe that you are a God who has a vision for us, for our generation, that you're not wishing we were a different generation, that you have just as much power and more than you've ever shown any generation. And so Lord, we agree and ask that you would move on our behalf. Pray that you would bring God's ways and God's heart into our country and into our world. God's healing power, God's generosity, God's simplicity, God's encouragement. Lord, we pray that we would have vision and know who you are and what to do next, but that we would also remember who you've been and not let it go. 
Lord, we thank you for your tender care of us. And we just agree and prophesy together. We, we hold hands, we link arms with you, and we say, it doesn't matter what's going on right now, as horrible and hard as some of it is, we believe someday we're gonna see the God was being good to us during this time. And he is worthy of all praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button and take a screenshot and then share it on social media or your social stories. Hey, whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Thanks for listening.